Hey guys, welcome to the special Satisfied series with the Real Life Podcast. I'm so thrilled you are here. For this special eight-week series, I've gotten to interview my dearest friends who I look up to, I've learned so much from, and I do life with. And we talk about all the things, all the real life things of how to become satisfied women in different roles and areas that we live in every day. I'm so glad you're here and I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Today for the special Satisfied series, I am so excited. I've been waiting so many weeks for this interview and my dear friend Annie F. Downs is here to talk about, oh my gosh, so many things. How to have fun, how to embrace your season when things don't go the way that you hope they do. How do you live in your reality? So Annie, I'm so thrilled that you are on. Thank you for coming on today. I'm so happy to be here, Alyssa. I just wish I, wish I was like actually there with you. I much prefer being in the same place as the Bethkeys, but I'll take this as until until we can get there. Yes, I know. I was just thinking um, as I was prepping for the interview, I try to remember when we first met. Was it when you came to Hawaii and you stayed with us for the Bloom Conference? That couldn't have been. Was that the first time you and I met? That's what I mean. I bet Jeff met you before. Yeah, I already knew Jeff for sure. Okay. But maybe that's the first time you and I met. That does not feel true. I know. But that is the life of the internet, is that <laughs> okay. we feel like we're friends with these people. Right. And you're like, when are we all in the same place? You're like, I don't know that we ever have been. You know, so <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the first time we ever met was when I lived in your house for a yeah. weekend. So that's a big jump in friendship. Well, and I think that's how um, I wanted to, I mean, I think everyone listening today knows who you are, but I wanted to introduce you in that. That's what I love about you is that I feel like the most, even if you don't, even if someone doesn't know you right away, like you just have such a welcoming spirit and you just Mm. immediately can like, you're just curious and you want to ask questions and you make people feel, you make me feel so welcome to just be me and like to go deep. And I just, and I was thinking about you and I was like, Okay, I feel like Annie has you enter a room and it's almost like you just throw glitter everywhere. Like you're just fun (laughs) and you celebrate people and you just have so much joy. But then you also have it paired with this like deep, you go deep. And it's like you Mm. have this real persevering faith that you know God, you trust God, you persevere through hard times and you welcome people into that. And I just Mm. think you, it's just so beautiful how God has wired you. And I just, it's a blessing to know you and to be able to learn from you. And I'm just really grateful for you. Thank you, friend. That means so much. And you know, the interesting thing about those kind of compliments, which I take very deeply and mean a lot from especially when it's people who have your phone number you know like when I'm so thankful when strangers tell me how much my work means to them or friendship means to them but when it's my up close people it means a lot too but you know the funny thing is especially talking about being satisfied I grew up not sure that God had done a good job making me Mm. like I just would I would question it all the time I would make jokes in high school Alyssa like I'm the toy that got through the factory, even though I had a broken arm or, you know, like, even though I was the, I was the mess up toy that got through the factory. And the longer I've been me and the closer I get to God and the more I understand his ways, I'm like, 
Nah, he did this on purpose. He did for all of us. We were all made on purpose and learning to be even satisfied in your own body is, is the work of my life. I feel like internally, the work of my life is to how do I be satisfied with the body that I'm in? Mm, it's so good. And I love that you brought that up because I actually have a chapter on that of how we are satisfied in our body. And my mm. chapter was more of like when you go through pregnancy and your body changes and you're like, oh, how do you do this? And like, it's different yeah. every time. But um, I would love, I mean, this isn't necessarily what we had planned, but how do you, just tell us a little bit, like how do you, you personally find satisfaction mm-hmm. in your body and how God has yeah. made you? I think it, I think it, we can talk about it emotionally and physically. So emotionally, it's a lot of, hey, this part of your personality, the things that make you cry, the things that matter the most to you, all of that is, is actually puzzle pieces to create a person that does not exist anywhere else ever. And so going like, it is okay that I get teary when I'm teaching on stage one out of every four times. Like, I'm not like everybody else, but that's always going to be true for me. And so just coming around like, instead of going, oh, why am I like this? You go, huh, why am I like this? Mm, it's the yeah. same question. Just change the reason you're asking it. Instead of, instead of using it to shame yourself, can you change the question and say, why would God need a person on the planet to be like this? And, and when you're kind to yourself, that matters and it actually affects your body, I think. So, and then how do you learn to live and be satisfied in the body that you have, the actual body? I mean, that is, I feel like maybe men deal with this a lot too. I do have some guy friends who deal with this, but I feel like it's, it is a woman's game. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. The, how do you be in a body that changes, that is uh, growing and shifting and, and redefining itself constantly. How do we learn to celebrate aging as scripture celebrates aging when our culture celebrates youth? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do, and so, and so for me, it is a lot of kindness to myself, a lot of asking more questions. You said at the beginning, I'm, I'm curious and I ask people a lot of questions. I, I really am, but I have to turn that curiosity inward too. And say, yeah, what are you feeling? Why are you feeling that? How how are you in your body? And my counselor and I talk about it a lot. So, I mean, I think it is learning to, if you can't uh, be thankful to some degree for the body you are in, you will not take that body in public and you will not show your body in public. And, yeah. and that will limit the ministry you get to do. So for women and probably men, but for women, it is an actual tactic of the enemy to convince us that our body and our actual selves needs to be hidden. Not that we should walk around without clothes on, but right. you know, our actual, <laughs> I'm too ashamed of my, of my shape. Uh, what, no matter what that shape is, there isn't one that does not bring someone shame. So I'm ashamed of my shape and therefore I will hide my whole self. And, and it just is a, it's one of the enemy's tactics, I think. Totally. And I think that is such a important message, but also as we like go into summer and just like, you know, women, it's like, oh, I don't want to put on a bathing suit or I didn't look like I looked last year or all those Mm -hmm. things. And it's like, but we miss out on so much joy, whether it's, you know, playing with our kids or being with our friends or going on the trip and just like showing up as we are and being thankful for how God's wired us. And And there's, and for every body, there is someone who wishes they had your body. Every person, somebody wishes they looked like you. And and you wish you looked like someone else. And so the win, to, I mean, people are saying this a lot right now, but the win for like 
getting a summer body is just get in a swimsuit and get outside and you've got your summer body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and so even if you needed to gain 20 pounds to feel healthy, once you did that, it would not actually change what's going on in your brain. Yes. It is Amen. Every single time for me, it is a brain problem. I write about this a little bit and that sounds fun, I think, but I, at, at one of my, uh, thinnest times in my life. I won't even say healthiest because it wasn't the healthiest, but one where the number was the smallest. The guy I liked the most broke up with me. Mm. And my counselor said, this is so important because you need to know that, that this does not equal this. You do not get what you want because you aren't a, you aren't satisfied in your body and B you aren't getting everything you want. And so you need to change your brain about what your body needs to look like in order to receive the things you think you're not getting because of your body. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it has been such a gift, such a gift of a, you know, that's, I mean, you know this, that some of the greatest gift God's gives us hurt so much. Mm -hmm. They are so painful. And that is one of the kindest gifts he's ever given me, even though it was painful. Yeah, it's so true. And I totally fell into that. I felt like I was the girl that never had a boyfriend growing up. And so I looked around I'm like, oh, all the skinny girls have boyfriends. So I need to be skinny. Yeah. And it just doesn't play out that way. Um, hey, let's talk a little more about that. And I would love to hear about your book that came out. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, but what do you know, in the book, we I talk a lot about unfulfilled longings. And when you yeah. long for something for years and it's not fulfilled, or even when it is fulfilled and it's still, life is still challenging and it's not as ideal. Um, and we have so many listeners on here that are single and are still longing mm-hmm. to be married. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. I would love to hear what you have to say of your journey and just like what you would tell them. Um how do you work through unfulfilled longings and still yeah. stay, still stay satisfied in the Lord and like flourish in your life? It's not like, yeah. oh, my life hasn't started yet, but it's like, no, this is the good life God has for me right now. How do I like really settle in and be satisfied here? Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. I think, well, I think a couple of things are true. I'm going to, I'll answer as best I can, but you interrupt me and tell me and redirect me when you need me to. Um, I am, I am, I love your book and I love the concept and I love the idea that, that there is a version of my life where I do not have everything that I want. And yet it feels like I am not hungry, Mm, you know? Yeah. I don't know that I will ever feel, um, I'm going to use satisfied, even though I think your book is good and very true. I don't know that I will ever feel all the way satisfied with my life because I don't have everything I want, but that will be true after I get married. And that will be true if I ever have kids. And that will be true if my bank account ever has two commas. And that will be true. Like there isn't a time where if I'm looking externally to say everything will feel better when is ever going to happen. Right. And so for me, when it comes particularly to marriage, that has always been, and what I'm most publicly like, people know I'm not married. Like it's not a secret, right? Like is she or is she not? I mean, yeah, she's not. Um, For me, it is, there's been a couple of things that have been really helpful. I'm 40. And so I went through, like many of our listeners who are in their 20s, I went through my 20s unmarried Mm -hmm. and my friends started getting married. I went into my 30s unmarried and my friends started having kids. And now my friends' kids are anywhere from going to college Mm -hmm. to being in elementary school. Yeah. 
And at every uh, interesting thing, and I think this is required if you're going to be satisfied in your life. That's a big statement to make, so you can push back on me about that. Every every time someone's uh, a, a, a season shifts kind of across the spectrum of my friend groups, it it is required of me in order to be satisfied with my life to grieve what I do not have. Mm, yeah. If if you pretend and you don't feel and you don't so one of the things my counselor and I did my first two weeks of being 30 was that would that be true no 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 it was later than that it was later than that but she said you need to grieve that you will never be a wife and a mom in your 20s because that is what you thought your life would be yeah and that is not what your life has been so don't pretend like that wasn't a dream. Don't pretend like that wasn't true. And I actually think, Alyssa, the only way I can actually sit in my story and go like, I love my story is because I've grieved the parts of my story that were not, that did not come to pass yeah. the way I thought they would. And, and so we did it again when I got to the end of my thirties, we did it again where we went like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Here is another opportunity to grieve the same thing. And in fact, I remember when I was 31, I got the opportunity to move to Scotland and live there for the year. And I remember my holdup being, but what, but I want to get married. Totally. What if going to Scotland, I don't, at, at part one, there are a lot of men in Scotland and they're very <laughs> handsome and they have great accents and they wear kilts. Like you can't, it's, it's a win-win, right? So <laughs> yeah. what was I worried about? But secondly, the, I remember I was, I can tell you the front porch I was on, on Elmwood in Nashville on that street. And I said to my friend, if I say no to this, I could blink and be 40 and not married, and I'll have never lived in Scotland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be 40 and not married. Mm. But I remember thinking that last decade went so fast, that could happen to me again. And by gosh, it did. It absolutely did. And so being satisfied is grieving what does not come to pass. Mm-hmm. It is It is recognizing the season you're actually in, the word I keep using, Alyssa, I don't know, tell me if this rings true to you, but the word I keep using right now in my life is that I'm really sober mm. about my my desires not being met. I don't have illusions about it. I I don't have illusions about my age. I don't have illusions about what my life will be. It will not look like my friends who got married at 23. It just, it, ever. Now, between 23 and 27, they can kind of end up looking the same. Between 23 and 33, they can look the same. My life won't look like that now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very sober about that. But also in my soberness versus my ability to fantasize, in my soberness, I have found God's kindness and his nearness and a new, actual, real satisfied feeling with if the gospel goes further through my life, if it is just me, not my will, but yours be done. I mean, that's what I have to say. I, it doesn't, it is not my will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not my will, but, yeah. and I am not giving up hope. I'm just sober to the idea of there is a version of this story that God might be telling that is not my story that I want, but, but he keeps proving that he knows better than me. He has spent my whole life proving that he knows better than me. Mm. And so that is that kind of answer that how that how I've gotten to where I am yes and Annie I love what you're saying because I think it's I feel like you're giving freedom to so many people to grieve because I almost Mm -hmm. feel like in the Christian life or maybe just in life in general 
it's like we we just have to like have hope and bear it through it and like keep hoping, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like really being realistic and mm-hmm. grieving and giving our laments to the Lord. Yes. And like this is, and I don't know if you listen to it, but I just listened to um, a little sermon from Bridgetown this week. I think from Bethany, and she was talking about how. Did you hear Bethany that? Bethany Allen, isn't she so good? Oh my gosh! And it was talking oh about how you gosh. deal with disappointment. Disappointment. And okay, you know how like pastors always give the alliterations, and I never remember them. I'm like, that's right. I just like out one ear, you know. But hers, I've been reciting all week. It's like we need to be honest. Just exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Be honest. Be curious, like a ch- oh, be a child, and like that means be being child. curious. What you were saying, like not condemning, but like, why do I feel these things? Why has God created me this way? Like, Lord, what are you doing? And then believe that his that he is better. And I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's sometimes yes, his way is better, but even going deeper and being like, but you are better. Like even, and I think, yeah. and I remember hearing Matt Chandler say this a year ago on a podcast that, um, like at the end of the day, no matter how our lives play out we will never be fully satisfied because that doesn't happen until we're in the new heavens and earth with Jesus and we're in his presence. And then, and then we'll be fully satisfied. Like we will be in the presence of God and we'll never long again, which blows my mind to think of never longing for something again. Um, Because it's true, whether it's you're single and longing to be married or you're married and you don't have kids yet or whatever it is, longing for our kids to know Jesus. Um, however our story plays out we'll always have longings like even if Jesus says yes to this the next thing will happen and we're like oh we're still waiting again like on this next thing and so you know that kind of thing Hey guys, Jeff here. I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to this week's sponsor, and that is StoryWorth. Now, you know we love StoryWorth, guys. Now, if you don't know them, they're an online service that basically helps your dad, your grandfather, father-in-law, and basically every father figure in your life share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a super fun exercise. We've done it before, and it's incredible. So especially around Father's Day, huge, huge, huge gift idea. It's a fun way to engage with them and the people in your life. And so every week what they do is they basically email your dad or that father figure a different story or prompt or question that you've never thought to ask. And then after one year, they compile all of those stories, including the photos and all of the thoughts into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. So it's pretty amazing and it's really helped families connect in a really awesome way. Now, we absolutely love it uh, for a lot of reasons, but specifically I love how you can use it for moments with fathers or even the wives listening. I think it's a great opportunity for you guys to incorporate the kids um, and to integrate in that way. I love when Alyssa and the kids do something like that for me and we absolutely love it. And so I think even some of the prompts I've seen before are just super fun. They'll ask like, what's a, what's an impactful memory or something you learned from the past? Or what's something from this date that, you, that, that taught you something? Or fun questions like certain toys you had growing up or everything. And it's really, really powerful and awesome. So again, give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day with StoryWorth. And you can get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash real life. So again, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash real life. And you'll see that in the show notes as well. I think that's really important to say because I I try to, I mean, I have a tattoo that says savor this because I, I don't want to forget the way whatever this is feels. Yeah. And I think f- faith 
and believing, which is believing it, what you cannot see, right? Um, and longing are two uniquely earthbound feelings that we will not know after yeah, this. Yeah. And so we need to savor a little bit of like, I believe that there is there is a God that I cannot see, and I am going to walk in that faith that he is bigger and that he's telling a story I don't know. And there will come a day where faith is not an active part of our lives because we'll yes, see. Yes, yes. Right? And so so we need to savor an opportunity we have to have faith and savor an opportunity to feel longing. Mm-hmm. Because once it's satisfied, if you didn't savor what you didn't have, it you will miss out on some of the joy of the satisfaction too. Yeah. And that's true about getting married. That's true about having kids. And an interesting thing, Alyssa, is I, I've never been pregnant. I don't know what it feels like to have a baby or to miscarry. Yeah. But I do know that the church is very compassionate towards men and women who are trying to get pregnant and cannot. They are careful on holidays right. about that. They are people praying groups. But people do not do that for single people. Churches yeah. don't do that for single people. Right. And we have similar longings that are not being met over and over. And yet there's something way more acceptable about a married couple doing everything they can to have a baby and not getting it versus a single person doing it. To the single people, we say, live your life. Right. Go and live your life. Like God has so much for you for the married couple trying to have children. We say, we grieve with you. Mm. We are so sorry. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Can, and, and it is such a weird dichotomy that we don't say to the single people, we grieve with you. Mm. We feel with you that you are doing everything. Now, if the married people said, we're dying to have kids, but we're not having sex, we'd be like, go and do the thing. <laughs> right. That's actually going to help. And so with single people, it's the same. Are you meeting new people? Are you going out there? Are you experiencing the world? Of course, mm-hmm. we want everyone who is longing to be doing what they can yeah. to walk toward that thing. But when they are doing everything they can, our job as the church is to grieve and to hope with them. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that for single people, yeah. right? We it, it is such a fascinating thing to watch from my seat mm. of going, man, suddenly it's very acceptable to be public about what you want and don't have if it's children. Yeah. It is you are unsatisfied if you want what you don't have, but you're single. So Annie, I love I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm on the verge of tears and having goosebumps all at the same time because I'm like, no, it's true. And I feel like even me, like I sometimes I have a hard time even asking questions or knowing how to walk along my single Mm -hmm. friends, because I don't want them to ever think like, oh, but you have what I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how do we, I mean, how, tell us, how do we as the church who are married or older or whatever, like, how do we come alongside single friends and um, grieve with them, know what to say? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we encourage them and walk that season of life out with them? It's almost like, it's like you almost had to be like, well, satisfaction in the Lord alone, but like, I, I know you're longing, but sometimes it's not, sometimes people feel like it's not okay to say like, but I want to be married. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, how do we do that? Isn't that funny? I feel like you and I need to like write another book on how to want well. Yes. Let's just teach people how to want well, you know, because we don't want to stop wanting because if you stop wanting, that's just not human. I mean, like I just ate lunch and I promise you I'm going to want dinner. It <laughs> right. doesn't mean that lunch wasn't satisfying. It just means that I'm going to be hungry again. Right. So let's just like teach people how to want well. Um, I think part of the the beauty of life 
phases in life um, growing and changing is that if you're a parent with teenagers, you remember what it was like to have preteens and you remember what it was like to have toddlers. If you are married at some point, you weren't. Mm-hmm. And so while you, while Alyssa, you're in my experiences are different, you do remember what it's like before Jeff. Yes. And mm-hmm. so you can be with me in that, even if you, and, and you don't have to say, now I don't know what it's like to be single at 40 because I know you don't, mm-hmm. but you do know what it's like to have longings. And because there are other longings in your life that even though you have perfect looking children who could not be more sweet and perfect and curly headed. Um, even though y'all from the outside, the world would say Alyssa got the things she wanted. Right. You and I know, and everyone knows that there are things you want that you don't have. Totally. And there, yes. and, and so, so that's part of it is remember that we, that you have been where the single people in your life are to some degree. And you don't have to apologize for being married. You don't have to apologize. I, I love my friend's husbands. I didn't want to marry them. So go marry them because I wasn't, it's not like you took the one I wanted, right? right? Like you got the one for you. I friend and I yesterday were talking on the phone about this, Alyssa, because she was, she's been attracted to this guy who I think is like a dud. And the, and there's a guy in my life that I think, why does everyone not in love with him? Yeah. Why is everyone not in love with him? Right. It's because I'm not trying to marry anybody else's guy. Right. And I'm not, I'm not trying to marry this guy either necessarily, but I, and so to me, it is this reminder that don't apologize for the life phase you're in, but don't forget what you knew, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. you knew it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, what it, what's true in my community and in my friend group is it requires courage on my part and my married girlfriend's part yeah. to have the full conversation, to say things like, for example, all I, there's um, six of us that all like watch TV shows together and hang out. Everyone else is married with kids mm-hmm. and they all went on vacation together last summer. And I got like, I, I, I don't think I got invited even. And I said to them, we were all in the car at one point, And I said, hey, if this keeps being my life, I don't want to miss out on vacation forever. Will y'all just invite me? Mm-hmm. And they were, oh my gosh, Annie, we didn't know you'd want to go. We had never, there's kids everywhere. And yeah. we're in two houses with 17 people. And, and I, I would have never known they didn't have a meeting and decide not to invite me unless I'd have said, unless I'd expressed my desire. They'd have never known that was my desire because they assumed it wasn't. Right, right. And so it's just like, say too much. Say more than you think you have to say to communicate. Over-communicate, particularly between women. Yeah. You know, particularly in our in our groups of friends, like tell them how you feel and tell them why this, what's hard and... And explain to that. I mean, I have one girlfriend who wants to talk a lot. She's married with kids and wants to talk a lot about me freezing my eggs. And I'm always like, I mean, we can talk about, I don't want to do that at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah. But like, yes, you want to have, like, you're being helpful. Mm-hmm. And when it's painful or weird for me to say, I go, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about how your kid is screaming and you're not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> what makes me want to freeze my eggs when that's what I live with, you know? So, so I think it's, I think the way, the best way for married women particularly women, but men too. My guy friends are this way too. I have some really loving and lovely husbands in my life who, when I need a bookshelf moved, I can call them. And when I need a car, you know, like secure wives that allow single women to be a part of their families to Mm -hmm. some degree are, are a real gift because they go like, yeah, my husband moving your bookshelf is not going to make y'all fall in love. Right. You're not going to have an affair with my husband. 
And so, and so having, and so for me, that also requires really high boundaries with Uh all my friends' husbands, because I want to be really trustworthy and really part of family. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. to communicate too much. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. And I love even just that we're having this conversation because I feel like it's bringing freedom. I know it'll bring freedom to listeners and even to me. I'm like, okay. Um, Hey, let's go in. I just want to talk real quickly before we end about your book. That sounds fun. And then I would love, love to hear just like, um, you know, I, especially as we go into summer, like how, how do you, oh man, this is going to be a multiple question, but how do you like in your daily life or weekly life or whatever rhythms you add in, just bring fun. And then how Mm -hmm. would you recommend other listeners like, Hey, this summer, here's like three things to do that are really fun and satisfying. And, you know, just to bring fun. Cause I feel like COVID has been such a a hard season. A lot of people yes. have gone through so much loss and grief and change. And I think your book is so timely of like just bringing oh, joy nice. and fun to our everyday lives. Cause sometimes we can just get in the, uh, the mundane and like, okay, so how do we bring fun, um, and satisfy satisfaction in our days? Yeah. Uh, for starters, I have to thank you and Jeff because y'all model rhythms in, in life so well to me. Weekly rhythms, yearly rhythms, family rhythms that even though I don't live with a family right now, I still have family-like rhythms because I'm still a person, right? So, I mean, it really, it really matters. So thank y'all for how you model Sabbath and how you model celebration and Um, so to me, fun, it fits in really beautifully with the other rhythms of life that we need to have. We will fit everything in our lives that we have to fit that makes us healthy. You know, like we eat, we sleep, Mm -hmm. we exercise, we read, we have our religious practices, whatever those look like for you. All the things we do, we do because we think they make us healthy. We're not doing them because it doesn't pay off. We wish it, you know, like even spiritually, the reasons we're doing Sabbath is because we recognize that rest pays off. Mm -hmm. And the reason we tithe is we recognize that generosity pays off. I mean, we wish we were all like altruistic enough to just do things to do. And it's not. We're doing them (laughs) because we want to, because it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Healthy rhythms always make us healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think fun is a healthy rhythm worth adding to your life, particularly in this conversation we're having, Alyssa, because it really matters that it when you are longing, when you are wanting what you do not have, it is incredibly important that you find fun. Even when you're grieving, if you've lost someone you love, if you're in a breakup, if you're in the middle of... uh, a painful situation, can you find a 30-minute window and just do something that brings you joy? Whether it's out in a garden, whether it's surfing, whether it's biking, whether it is cross-stitching, cooking, doing a puzzle. I mean, I singing a song, playing an instrument. I, I have a long list of fun hobbies. <laughs> I love it. But I love getting to talk about it because it actually is what makes space and makes separation from our work lives and from our busy lives. And that is where God shows up. I mean, I've told you and Jeff this before, but one of the tricks that has happened to me in Sabbath is I almost always grieve on Saturdays Mm -hmm. because the rest of my day is so busy and the rest of my week is so busy that if I get disappointed or something goes sideways, okay, keep going, keep going. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to feel it. My Enneagram 7-ness <laughs> lets the train keep on rolling. Right. And then on Saturdays, my train stops. Mm. And all of a sudden, I notice everything. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so what can fun look like? So uh, what fun actually looks like, even in grieving, even in loss, even in sadness, even on a normal day is literally just, just putting it on your calendar. Like Mm -hmm. you do everything else. I tell people all the time, if you're just getting into a rhythm of fun, put 30 minutes on your calendar, maybe on your Sabbath, maybe not, put 30 minutes on your calendar. And then what's going to happen is for every day leading up to that, you're going to be going, what are we going to do on Thursday for four to four 30? I mean, what sounds fun to you? Well, what sounds fun to you? you will and then what ends up happening I, I would be interested Alyssa if y'all did this around the dinner table what ends up happening is when you say tell me what sounds fun to you especially with adults mm-hmm. is uh, someone says uh skiing snow skiing sounds so fun you're like well why and then they're well I love going fast I think and I love being cold well why if you keep whying them yeah. almost every time it comes down to well when I was little dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And, and what that reminds me and what that tells me is that fun is deeply connected to our most innocent selves mm. and our youngest selves. And so we need to tap back into those fun things so that we can remember innocence. And we can remember, I mean, scripture says that God has set eternity into our hearts. And so what we feel when we feel that longing is a, we miss Eden and we're longing for a place and we've never known either. Mm. Right. But we're yeah. longing for both of them. And so it is really important to bring back fun, to make a rhythm of fun. So this summer, putting it on your calendar, making a list, a bucket list um, that you can follow. It, it doesn't have to be expensive. We aren't getting to travel. We can't go around the world. We, we're we still pretty limited in what we can do, even if our community is healthier in some places than it is in others. So it's like, okay, if, with where my car can drive. Yeah. What sounds fun to me? Yeah. And because I can't get to the ocean, but I can get to a lake and I can get to a pool. Mm-hmm. So that's going to sound fun to me this summer. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's being allowing it to be local, allowing it to be small and cheap and short. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a week. One of the reasons we get so disappointed in vacations, almost always people come home from vacation and are either disappointed it's over or something didn't live up to their expectations. Right. It's because we put an entire year of fun on the back of seven days. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is not, that's not the right way to live. Let's, let's have fun all the time long, all year long. Yeah. And then that week of vacation is great, but you haven't been living for it Yeah. because you've been, you've been having fun mm-hmm. all along. Oh, Annie, it's so good. And even as you're doing this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go write my list right now. <laughs> yes, do so it. <laughs> oh, okay. So tell us one thing you're going to do this weekend that is going to be mm-hmm. fun. Okay, so this weekend, well, tonight there's some friends that are just, the weather's beautiful in Nashville today, and they just said, let's just sit outside and have a happy hour. And what that means is we'll sit there for an hour, have some drinks, and then people will be like, anybody have any dinner plans? And then we'll just like weave our way into an entire night. And I love those nights where we start with like, I don't know who I'm going to see and I don't know what we're going to eat, but I know where we start. I love those nights. So I'm looking forward to, and also those nights, and you just won't surprise you at all. Those nights also when I'm like, I don't want to do the next stop. I'm going to bed at nine o'clock. You can always (laughs) exit. You can exit. There's a lot of exit ramps on nights like this. So (laughs) I see like four exit ramps that I could go home. So I'm thrilled to see my friends. I'm thankful to be outside. I'm thankful we're all healthy enough that we can be together. And I, who knows where tonight leads. Mm, Annie, I love it so much. Thank you for being on today. So we went deep fast and it was so good. I just love talking to you. Thank you so much. 
I love you too. Congratulations on Satisfied. It is a, it's, it matters. Thank you for writing it. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for writing your book. I still don't have it yet. I cannot wait to have it in my <gasps> hands and to read it. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll fix that. No, I, y'all, I sent y'all one. We never got oh it. Boy. I kept waiting. Oh I was like, I think anyway, I should have just gone. I'll go buy like five right now. Don't do it. I'll Don't do it. We'll, we'll, I'll text you to get your right address and we'll get some to you. Okay. I would love it. Hey guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. This episode was so good. Each one of these series is just gold. I love what everyone brings to the table, what they share. I was so encouraged by them and I hope you are too. Satisfied is out. I cannot believe it. It is so fun seeing you guys post about it and talk about it. If you guys have a copy, take pictures, tag me in it. Tell me what you love about it. It is just such a joy to have it finally out in the wild for you guys to read. If you haven't ordered the book yet, make sure you go anywhere books are sold, satisfiedbook.com. If you make any of the recipes, tag me, make a pie. I want to see what you're making. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me.